Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Brother Sportsman Show. Today, I have a pretty dang good episode for you guys. It's going to be a two-parter. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys really enjoy this one. It was a lot of fun uh, recording. But uh, first, before we jump any further, I need to plug my Instagram. It is at Welly Sportsman Show, okay? Uh, so I run my podcast from there pretty much. You guys get notified when I have new episodes out. You guys get notified of what I'm doing, you know, via post. Uh, whatever I'm up to, really, and uh, that's about it. That's uh, that's my Instagram in a nutshell. It's at Welly Sportsman Show. So give it a follow. Before we get any further, I also need to mention my friends over at Relevant. Relevant, they're they're making scientific uh, scientific solutions for the outdoor enthusiast through and through. I can't say it's enough. They're making great products over there with lots of science and technology to back them up. So. If you want to support Relevant and support the podcast, go to relevant.life and pick you pick you up some sunglasses, uh, bait puck. You know, well, it's actually Great Uncle Joe's bait box. Pretty sweet. You can open it up with one hand. Go check it out and use code Welly at checkout. That is W-E-L-L-E, Welly at checkout. Next up. We got my week in review. So my week in review is pretty pretty dang fun. So we had MEA break over this last uh, week, you know, pretty much. But I was able to go out and deer hunt the youth hunt. I am 17, so I am still eligible for that. So I went out and I deer hunted the youth hunt, put my time in between practices and other things. Uh, you know, two, Thursday and Friday were kind of a bust. I was only out half days really for both of them. But that's okay because Saturday... You know, I had an opportunity, oh my goodness, opportunity to, to sit all day long. And it paid off because around, I don't know, an hour before sunset, uh, I shot a doe. It was pretty dang fun. But I had an ultimate blonde moment leading up to this. So I tracked it for under a little under an hour in the wrong direction because I thought it ran straight north from where I was sitting. So I know that doesn't mean much to you guys. But to tell you guys how wrong it was, I thought it went straight north, but it went pretty much straight east. So... I spent too much time, like way too much time, <laughs> looking for it in the wrong direction. And in reality, I had a really good blood trail going east. So that was pretty fun. But it was a good, healthy doe. Um, it was it was fun. I guess I was all by myself. So I had to get it in the in my car <laughs> by my by myself. And I put it in the trunk. Uh, it was pretty fun. I actually, uh, yeah, it was, I have a pretty fun picture from that. But I'm not going to post it on Instagram because there's a lot of blood, like, a lot like a stupid amount of blood and then obviously i just don't think that's instagram content or something i want reflecting my character because i took a picture when i was in the trunk with a deer um so yeah a fun picture like i don't know yeah i feel like if i post it somebody would have a problem with it not not saying that's the reason the exact reason why i'm not posting it but i uh, just you know i feel like i feel like this is just not something that belongs on my Instagram. I might post one of me. I took a selfie with my doe because I, you know, I was, obviously I was by myself. So I took a selfie with it. I could see myself posting that, but not me in the trunk with it. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I was going to say I, I'll post it out later, but I don't know if I will. But if you guys see it, you guys will know it's a doe I shot over the youth hunt. Um, so, yeah, that's that's about it for my weekend. That took all week. Um, so got her home Saturday, skinned her, cornered her, her, and then Sunday, uh, we processed, we butchered, got some steaks, some, uh, some, hey, what was that? Some trimmings out, you know, 
uh, what do we get? 24 pounds of trimmings and then a whole bunch of steaks off of her. So that was pretty, pretty dang fun. Um, it's pretty much all I got for you guys. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making this episode. And uh, without further ado, here is Brian Amundsen. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Willie Sportsman's show. Today, I am joined by Brian Amundsen. You want to say hi, Brian? Hey, guys. So, Brian, uh, it's come to my attention through your Instagram username that you like boat hunting. Is that true? That that would be correct. I'm not very good at it, but I really like to do it. <laughs> and and what's your Instagram handle for those wondering? Um, it's just my name, um, and then bow hunting. So Brian Amundsen bow hunting, and pretty straightforward. Heck yeah! And you have a YouTube channel too, don't you? I do. Yep. And that's that is B A and then bow hunting. Um. So yeah, I got a few videos posted on there. A lot of turkey hunting mainly, but a few deer videos too. Heck yeah, dude. I love turkey hunting. Yep. So uh, let, let's kick it off and, and I'll start with talking some about your recent hunt. So I know you were just out uh, west doing some trips. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, those trips and then how that ended up going for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, my season started in August. I, well, I guess it starts in the spring usually. I kind of looked over what tags I wanted to apply for out west and I decided I wanted to go antelope hunting, so I pulled an antelope tag in Wyoming, and I went out there for 10 days in August over the opener. Um, it was real hot, and the weather was a little variable, I guess. It got up to 103 degrees one day, um, and then it changed into about 45 two days later. So first half of the trip was super hot, second half was super rainy and um, cool, and I, I actually missed three different antelope with my bow. Um, and so I was unsuccessful in tagging one in that first trip out, but it was a heck of a time. And I learned a lot. It was my first time bow hunting for antelope. Um, so I decided that I'd go back out in October. And so this spring, I also applied for a archery license in South Dakota. Um, so I pulled that. And so this Two weeks ago, I headed out to Wyoming, and my intention was to um, dump a goat pretty quick, and then buzz over to South Dakota and um, hunt the rest of the the rest of the trip. I had six full days, so I left class on a Tuesday, drove all day and night, and then um, plan was to hunt Wednesday through Monday, and then drive all night back on on Monday night and be back in class on Tuesday. Um, and with weather, it was the first big storm that Tuesday night I drove out. So they got about 10 inches of snow where I was goat hunting. So it took me an extra day to get out and um, a long time on those back roads, you know, going real slow and four wheel drive in the truck, trying to get back to the hunt area and finally got there and um, was able to able to harvest a goat with my, with my rifle um, three days into the hunt. So after I took a goat with my rifle, I buzzed over to South Dakota and I bow hunted for three days for mule deer and um, saw a lot of deer and got in um, on the last day. I got into 18 yards on a, a pretty nice four by three mature buck and I just blew the stock. No other way to put it. Um, he was bedded up under a riverbank with three other basket racks and uh, got up on him and I didn't quite play my wind right and it swirled a little bit and 
they busted out of there and that was that was the end of my mule deer trip so um those were my two recent hunts out west and and now we're kind of getting into um the rut here for minnesota so i'll be hitting it pretty hard in minnesota wisconsin for the next two weeks and then i'll be heading back out to south dakota uh mid-november for for a week for bow hunting muleys and pheasant hunting so that's kind of what i've been up to recently well that sounds like life to be honest with you like going <laughs> places doing things shooting this going there you know yep yeah it's it's a lot of a lot of work in the spring and summer and then you take your time off in the fall and that's pretty much <laughs> the way yeah. it's been rolling but. <laughs> yeah and to clarify for listeners that aren't familiar when you say goat are you talking about antelope oh yep yep so i'm talking about antelope when i say goats um people will call them goats speed goats antelope it's kind of <laughs> kind of all the same but i guess the technical term would be antelope uh do you know where they got that nickname from i guess i guess i don't know i know the speed <laughs> goat comes in because they're fast as hell but other than that i'd I guess I don't know. Well, they're the fastest uh, animal on uh, in North America, aren't they? Yep, absolutely. Yep. I I've been driving my truck. You know, you'll be going fifty five down the highway, and they'll be they'll be running right with you. <laughs> you know, they're just cruising. It's it's yeah. incredible how fast they can go for for long ways. But that's cool. And, and how much do they weigh? Like I know they they say fairly small. But, they're they're uh, a pretty small animal. I shot a I shot a mature buck, um, and. I'd say it went probably 135, 145, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's not too bad. No, it's it's like a, a good sized doe, um, mm-hmm. white tailed doe in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, I could pick them. I guess I'm a bigger guy, but I could pick them up by the feet and the horns and I put them down for a picture right where I wanted them so the snow wasn't mixed <laughs> up and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, once and then once you quarter them out and get them processed, you're only talking maybe 30 pounds of meat, you know? with mm-hmm. your four quarters boned out and your back straps and your tenderloins. Um, and there's not much for a neck roast or ribs, ribs at all on, on the goats. So yeah. I just stick to those main cuts of meat. And I think I put probably 28 pounds in the freezer, I think after I processed it and wrapped it. So that's an expensive 28 pounds of meat. Tell you oh, what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is worth is. every penny. Oh yeah. Yep. It is. It's expensive, but it, it definitely is delicious. So that's that's great so let's let's kind of kick it off with bow hunting and why you like it so much so let's start off with who introduced you to bow hunting and then when did your passion for bow hunting really blossom so like uh you know maybe you're introduced to it as you know an elementary elementary school like level kid and then you really took off for the passion for it in like high school or whatever just like when did your passion really start and you're like this is what i love yep yeah, so my dad kind of got me into it. Um, he lived in Alaska for about 20 years and um, bow hunted out there, um, up there for a while. And he's bow hunted in Minnesota for a long time. And when I was younger, I started rifle hunting with him um, and kind of the family, you know, the traditional rifle hunt type deal every year. And then um, once I turned 12, I, I did a few rifle hunts that year and I really wanted to get into more hunting. So Um, two years later when I was 14, I started shooting a bow quite a bit and, um, yeah, when, once I turned 14, I really got into it, but when you're 14, you can't really go many places. And when you don't live out in the country, it's hard to, hard to get out hunting much. So I really, I really developed a passion for it when I was about 14. And then once I turned 16, 
and got my driver's license, then things really, really took off. Um, and I went from hunting maybe, you know, a few weekends when I was 14 and 15 with my bow to I logged, I, I, I kept a log in high school of how many days I hunted. And when I was 16, I hunted, um, 50, I think it was 53 days in Minnesota, um, with my bow. And then the next year I hunted about, about 50 again. Um, and then, you know, in the past few years, it's been a little bit less, a little bit more, but, um, yeah, once I got my driver's license, things really took off and that's, that's when it really got crazy and hectic. Um, when I first, you know, first couple of years, it was mainly Minnesota. And then over the last few years, I've ventured out to other States. So I've hunted, you know, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, and Wisconsin and Minnesota, obviously. So yeah, that's kind of where my passion started and, um, where it's headed now, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Talk that that's, uh, I guess the truest form of raw passion there. And by the way, you said Minnesota, they're like obscenely Minnesotan. Oh yeah. Like I, Minnesota. I get a little, I get a little, <laughs> get a little Minnesotan going there. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You gotta love it. <laughs> but right, uh, right. I tried that recording, how many days you go out kind of thing for fishing. And I got to like a ridiculous number for fishing since like opener. And then I completely forgot about it. But in the matter of like two or three months that I actually did that, I don't know. I was at like, oh, I, it was crazy. Like I think I want to say in the forties, like yeah, it, stupid much. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it can be, it can be a little much almost, I think for some people, but I mean, I don't know the difference. I just want to be out there. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know some people definitely get burnt out, but if it's your passion, it's your passion, and I guess you're gonna do whatever it takes to really pursue it, you know. Right. Yep. Especially in the um, when it's mainly the fall, I just kind of look forward to it all year. So if I'm not out there, I'm almost like, well, I know I'm gonna regret it. <laughs> yeah. Come come winter and and spring and summer, so I might as well get out there now. But... True. Very true. Fall is my favorite time here. You know, you got good fishing, you got good hunting, all these hunting opportunities, great weather. It's like everything you want nothing you don't yep it's it doesn't get much better <laughs> yeah so when did you realize you wanted to go out west with your bow and pursue some of those big game opportunities well i would say my mom's side of the family is from montana and so i've been going out to montana quite a few times i've been out there quite a few times just as family trips and when i think i was about 14 I decided I wanted to go out west. Me and my dad planned an elk hunt in Colorado. Um, so when I was 15, we went out to Colorado. And I we put on a lot of miles and didn't see much. I think I think I saw 10 elk in total, a bunch of cows um, one day. And so that was kind of my first experience out there. Just got my butt kicked. Um, and I was not in good enough, sh- good enough shape at all for that. That was... That was a real kick in the behind, but that was my first trip. And that's kind of when I knew I started, wanted to start getting out there a little bit more and more. And then from there, it's kind of hard when you're in high school to, to get out West, you know, it takes time off school. But my, my dad and me, we planned a trip to Montana, I think my sophomore year of high school. And so we went out to Montana over Thanksgiving. So I'd only miss a few days of school and then. Um, no, that was my junior year of high school. And then my senior year, we did the same thing. 
um, went out to Montana for about a week. And after, after that, I kind of got a little more freedom without having, without having school five days a week. Cause that's more than a full-time job. High school is, I mean, that's crazy. Can't even take days off, you know? So, um, after that, I really got into it a little bit more and decided that's what I like to do. So, um, last year I went out, I think four or five times out to South Dakota and Montana between the two. And, and then this year I've been out there twice and I've got, I think four more trips lined up, um, between, well, I guess it'll be mainly South Dakota bow hunting muleys. And then I might buzz out to Montana for a week, um, for whitetails and muleys. And then a lot of pheasant hunting too out, out in South Dakota. But yeah, I guess I kind of realized it in high school. And then once I got a little more freedom, then I really started pursuing it. And that's just kind of kept going from there. I've been, I've been really researching a lot of hunts, you know, and, um, buying a lot of points in different States and, and mainly it just comes down to have enough time and money to, to get out there. So. Yeah. Have you ever uh, considered going chucker hunting out in the mountains? I haven't, I, I haven't even thought about it. That's uh that's one of those things where it seems like it would be so much effort and so much time for like a smaller than pheasant sized bird. It'd just be one of those things like, Oh, here's some more money. Here's some time. Here's some, you know, aches and pains, like right. a little bird. <laughs> Yep, that's that's why I like those big game animals. You know, it's like yeah, it makes it worth your while a little bit. Don't get you. Don't, I guess you don't. A lot of times you come home empty-handed, but there's a big sense of accomplishment um, when you do get the opportunity to harvest one. Yeah, I could see that. You know, going west is something that me personally, I've like always wanted to do. You know, I watch meat eater for the first time, and I go crazy, and I'm like, hey. Like I really want to do this, and then there's me, and I'm in high school yet. I'm 17. I don't have the money for it, you know, for one. I don't have the time or, like, the equipment, you know. So that's something I'm going to have to slowly build up if I really want to make that happen, which I do at some point. But uh, right. definitely a post-high school kind of thing, like you were saying. Yep, absolutely it is. Yep, and and when you're in high school, you kind of – while I was in high school, I started to acquire a lot of things. And, um, you know, you're you're working part-time and this and that, so you don't have a whole lot of money. But over a, over a few years, you can usually – um, acquire quite a bit of stuff, you know, you spend a paycheck on paycheck on this, that, and the next thing. And then pretty soon you've got a pretty good little collection of hunting gear and, um, enough equipment to make it work, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you use Kiwi or Q, uh, how do you say that? Kuyu. Kuyu. Yep. And that's a, that's a full paycheck and a half for every VC buy from At, them. <laughs> yeah. I use, I use a, a little bit of everything, I guess. Um, I'm not really brand specific, I guess, but yeah, I use a lot of Kuyu. I like their conservation, um, goals. Um, mm-hmm. they're very similar to like, a, to Sitka gear, you know, this, the founder of Sitka gear also founded Kuyu. Um, but uh, I, 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 I how that worked. Um, he, I think he, he just got away from what Sitka was becoming and he was a little more into mountain and sheep hunting. Gotcha. Um, so he, decided to develop a ultra lightweight hunting, um, branding equipment specifically for sheep hunting and huh. mountainous hunting. Um, cool. and then they've got great conservation, um, projects going on that I align with a little more than Sitka. So being the two are very similar, um, 
I just decided to go with a little more Kuyu gear, although I have plenty of Sitka um, and like first light, you know, and that type of stuff. I've, I've got a, I've got a little bit of everything, um, but I certainly do like Kuyu. Yeah. That's something I was, uh, I, you know, I was sitting in a deer stand for the last like four days kind of thing, you know, all day. Uh, and I was doing research and I'm like, Hey, when I go mountain hunting or like go out West, like which brand of stuff should I go with? And I'm like, totally against going like high end like i don't need that for how much i'm gonna be doing so I'll like i don't know i was just doing crazy stupid research on things that doesn't even matter now and it was just i don't know a time filler i guess yeah i i do a lot of that i work nights at the hospital you know and so mm-hmm. you know when i'm working a lot of hours in the spring and summer man i got a lot of time to burn on the computer sometimes <laughs> you know and yeah weird things happen at three in the morning when you see a good deal on on a website for you or sicker or first light or something like that and yeah that credit card comes out but i'd say you know it's this is the first year i've had a lot of this gear because um, mm-hmm. i've been working a lot more this year and it's it's not necessary but i've hunted a lot of days in hand-me-down gear you know mm-hmm. and being that it's pretty much the main thing I do, you know, I don't, I don't fish. Um, I don't do a lot of other, you know, upland hunting and duck hunting. And I've really made it a priority, um, for big game hunting. That's kind of, I, I enjoy all those other things, but that's my priority. So I, I definitely, I can justify just about anything in life, but I definitely justify getting a little nicer gear. And, and it certainly does, it does make a difference when you're putting in some long days, you know, not just road hunting, but, mm-hmm. um, going in and trying to get after it every day you know all day and night um that gear certainly does make a difference and just in the lightweight and packability and and overall your just comfort in it you know um breathability it, it makes a huge difference yeah and, and it, that makes sense too you said you know your goal when it's set on one thing it makes sense to dump all that money into it but like for people like myself who are you know i'm into the pheasant hunting game turkey hunting game deer uh you know waterfowl too that's it's all expensive and then on top of that big old fat passion for fishing you know so right believe it or not i just got my first musky rod today and i'm pretty Uh stoked about it (laughs) (laughs) i bet that was a full paycheck there oh for me yeah yeah my paychecks (laughs) it was a couple paychecks because i only work about two shifts a week or two shifts per paychecks period you know so gotcha you're getting 80 dollar paychecks it takes a while (laughs) yep no i i totally understand i've been there and i'm 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 still there you know yeah um although my paychecks have certainly gone up quite a bit you know recently (laughs) i sure hope so if you're a nurse um yeah (laughs) well nursing assistant but with with covid going on and that whole dealio oh yeah um i get more I can usually swing it pretty good with incentives and overtime and that sort of deal, you know. You got to love it. (laughs) Yep. But, yeah, I'd say to that, though, um, for the gear, you know, for most of those aspects of outdoors, you know, you're going to be wearing like a base layer and some sort of a sweatshirt or something, you know. So even when you're out west, a lot of the time you're just hiking around and, and you're not wearing a whole lot, you know. So... You know, I, I certainly like a good base layer. You know, I've got zip-off long johns, which are just a game changer. Um, it, they sound dumb, but, man, once you wear a pair, it's you you won't go back. I mean, Did I wear the, some. Uh, the first light zip-offs? Yep, I've got first light. Um, it, it's their mid-layer. Um, gotcha. And they really are incredible. I mean, they. Their base layers are to, insane. Yeah. They're really nice. Right. And, and that's one of those things that it's expensive, but. 
for something that's going to last for a long time, it is totally worth it to me. Um, and that's the same with like, you know, my, my other, my, my upper body base layers, you know, I've got like a Kuyu ultra, um, Merino wool, 145 weight. Um, and that thing I wear, I wore that when it was 103 degrees out because it's Merino. And so you sweat into it and you're going to be sweating, but that automatically cools you off. Cause that, that's going to be, you know, um, when the wind hits you, you know, it, it cools you off a little bit. And then you also wear that once it's 20 degrees out, you know, and so a few of those base layers I think are pretty essential. Um, I've worn some terrible base layers and you can get real sweaty real quick and they don't wick the moisture away very well at all. Um, so I'd say to people that want to start getting into some of those higher end things, you know, just start with a base layer because a good base layer will bring you a long ways, um, with other odds and ends of clothing, you know, a lot of that hand-me-down type stuff that I've got, you know, a good base layer really does all the difference for wearing that other type stuff. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Like if there's one thing I'm willing to spend money on, it's the things that are right next to me probably make right. the biggest difference. Cause I feel like base layers and honestly are slept on like a ton. Um, oh yeah. So I'm glad you I, said that cause they're super important. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I've got a lot of buddies who will go out and they're just wearing their normal cotton t-shirt and mm-hmm. everything. And I'm like, that works. Um, but at the same time, a lot of those guys aren't putting in long hours on the stand and hiking a lot of miles and stuff. And I think that you don't need to put in a lot of time and stuff to shoot a big buck or be successful, but it certainly makes the difference for me being able to be comfortable out there. Um, that keeps me out a lot longer than most guys, you know? Yeah. If you're going to live, it might as well be comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let, let's deep dive into your bow, uh, your setup and, you know, factors like pull weight, arrow weight, uh, your broadheads. And then could you also deep dive into how each of them plays a way you're each how my goodness how each of them plays a role in the way you shoot your bow so like uh you know how does the arrow weight or the spine weight affect you know yada 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 could you really deep dive into that for me right yeah so right now i'm shooting i shoot left-handed i shoot a left-handed um uh bowtech realm mm-hmm. it's a 2017 flagship bow i'm i've got i'm a little bigger guy i'm shooting about a 31 inch draw length um, at 70 pounds or 73 ish or something like that. Um, and that's my bow setup. I guess I've got a, I've got a single pin slider sight on there. Um, the te- HHA text- Tetra max tournament, um, with, so, which is a dovetail. And I guess most people probably, that doesn't mean much most people and it, and it shouldn't. Um, it's, it's a little more in those sticks, you know, it's, it's a very specific thing. I also have a, have a drop away rest i've changed between a few different types of drop ways but i've just got kind of a standard drop away rest and i'm shooting a hinge hinge style release which is um it's just a hinge basically it's kind of a surprise release and without getting too deep into it you know that's kind of my basic my basic bow setup for my arrows i'm i shoot carbon arrows um, they're Easton axis arrows with 50 grains of gra- brass insert, the hit insert, hidden insert with a hundred grain iron wheel broadhead up front. And then I shoot lighted knocks. I haven't had much luck with all the different lighted knocks, but right now I'm running nocturnals, which have been the best for, for what I've 
experienced. And so that's kind of my bow setup. And for the different factors like draw weight, arrow weight, and then broadheads, the main thing between all of that, which is which is kind of common across a lot of different things is or a lot of different things like your shotgun or your rifle or anything like that is just m- making sure you can shoot well. So draw weight's important, but plenty of people are shooting big deer with a 40 pound bow, you know, so whatever you're comfortable with for your draw weight and whatever you can work yourself up to, I'd say the, the bigger, the better, but only unless you're comfortable. Cause if you can't get it back, you know, if you can't draw it back when the big buck's walking in, then you're going to have some issues or, or late season, you're full of clothes. And, you know, it's not the same as when you're standing at the range in a t-shirt, you know, so draw weight's important, but not that important. Um, air weight, I'd say that's, that's more important for sure. Um, uh, a heavier arrow is going to penetrate a lot better and fly a lot quieter out of your bow. It'll knock down a lot of that vibration. So, I shoot for somewhere above 475 for total arrow weight for 475 grains. And that's just kind of a ballpark. It doesn't really matter what your arrow weight is. The main thing is, is it's a little bit heavier and it flies well. So Quick tuning question. your bow. So is that heavier arrow? Does it fly slower as well? Yes. Is, yep. Yep. So, so that's there, like the downside to that. Right. Yeah. So there's, a, there's trade-offs, you know, and you want to find that happy medium. So yeah. a real light arrow, you know, if you're shooting a, a 350 grain arrow, that thing's going to fly a real straight and real light and every, you know, it's going to z- fly out there real quick. The downsides to a real light arrow would be your bow is going to be quite, uh, it's going to be a lot louder because that arrow isn't absorbing much as much of that um, string vibration. So your bow is going to be a little louder. And the wind is going to have a lot more effect on it. Um, so you're going to get a lot more wind drift with the lighter arrow going back and forth. And then also your penetration is not going to be nearly as much as a, as a heavier, a heavier arrow, um, just because that momentum and, um, you know, there's a lot of science behind it, but basically a heavier arrow is just, it's like a freight train coming in, you know, it's going to keep going through. Um, so that's kind of your, your cons of a lighter arrow. But a big advantage to a lighter arrow is it flies flatter. So when you're out west, you know, and you have a mule deer out there at at 52 yards or something like that, and he hops out there maybe 56 yards, 57 yards, you don't know how far he is, and you're just kind of going to ballpark it. Well, if you're shooting a nice light arrow, you have a little more room for margin for error, you know, So because that arrow is not going to drop as much as it would if it was a heavier arrow. So that's kind of your pros to a lighter arrow, a heavier arrow, all the opposite, basically. So you're going to get a lot more penetration. You're going to get a better um, better flight in the wind, and it's going to be a lot quieter. But the downside is, is you know, you're going to be, your, your margin for error is a lot less. So if, if you're shooting, you know, same example, 52 yards, and you have one hop out there a little bit farther, you better range that deer pretty spot on because... I mean, if you're shooting a 600 grain arrow and it's out past 70 yards, you know, from 70 to 80 yards, your drop could be, you know, 30 to 40 inches, you know, depending on what kind of setup you're running. So you got to be pretty spot on with your ranges um, if you're shooting a heavier arrow or just keeping close. And so that's kind of the pros and cons to your arrow. The biggest thing is just 
middle of the road is what I like, you know, it, if it flies well and tunes well, the biggest thing is just shoot straight, you know, um, and then middle of the road. So you're going to still be able to punch through shoulders and get, get a good amount of penetration, get a pass through, but you're also not going to have to judge that yardage perfectly every time. So I like somewhere around 475 to, to 550 is a good, is a good weight. Um, and then broadheads, that's, that is, that's a whole podcast in itself. That's something that there's a lot of different, um, opinions on that, but I think. Could you, could you touch on the basics real quick and yep. maybe I'll have to bring you back on. We can have an in-depth talk about broadheads. Right. But. Yeah. So, so the real basics is there's, there's kind of two types of broadheads. There's expandables and fixed blade. And so expandables, they fly like a field point. That's their big draw. You don't have to tune your bow as well. So I don't want to say if you're a little more lazy, but that's pretty much it. If you don't want to tune your bow and you just want to go out and screw it on and have it fly like a field point, then then go for it. Um, and and they their their draws they they fly like a field point, and they also give a bigger wound channel. You know, so you can have an expandable that goes from I don't even know what the smaller ones are today, maybe one and a quarter inch cut to Minnesota. The the limit is the legal is two inch cut, but you can buy broadheads that go much bigger than a two inch cut, but the downside to, well, I guess before I go into the downside, the other side of the aisle would be a fixed blade cut on contact style, um, broadhead, or I guess the fixed blade and then cut on contact is like a subcategory, I guess, but basically fixed blade, which is just, it's just a typical broadhead that you'd see, you know, um, the downside to that is you have to tune it. Well, it has a little more wind drift. It's not going to fly exactly like a field point. But if you do a little tuning, go into your pro shop and have them help you out, it's usually not too much of an issue to get your broadheads flying well. Um, so the downsides to like an expandable broadhead would be you're not going to get nearly as much penetration. The The force to open that broadhead um, is going to be uh, is a lot more um, than, than a fixed blade that's just going to fly straight through them. And also that in my experience and a lot of other people's experience that I've talked to a, an expandable broadhead will make the deer a little bit more alert when it hits them and they know something's going on. Um, in a sense, they kind of, it it really slaps them on the side almost. And, and a lot of times you're not going to get a complete pass through, but if you do, those deer seem to run off a lot harder, like they're hit hard. Um, and they know something happened. And I, I don't know if this is scientifically proven, but it's just a lot of my experience and other people's experiences. Um, and then with like a, a field point or not a field point, uh, cut, uh, cut on contact style broadhead or a fixed blade. A lot of times if you shoot those deer and you hit them well, that arrow zips right through. And a lot of times they don't even know what happened. Um, I've had plenty of deer you shoot and they run off, you know, they hear it. So they run a little bit, but then they'll stop and look around, you know, and they don't really know what happened. And that, that can help with tracking for sure. You know, if they're not running out of there super hard, um, my experience, I guess I'm, I'm shooting all fixed blade right now. I think most people that shoot expandables have, or had an experience like mine. Um, a couple of years ago, I was hunting with, a with a expandable broadhead. It was a swacker broadhead. Um, I shot two does with it in the early season. Um, early in the season in October and one of them died within 55 yards I watched her go down and the other one went down in about 45 yards 
and the cuts on them were incredible. You know, the, it was a two inch cut and the entrance on both of them was two inches. And on one of them, the exit was over five inches. And, you know, it was, it was an incredible, incredible, just broadhead. I thought, right. And, and I double lunged them both, both shots. One shot was 14 yards and one shot was 22 yards. So, I mean, it was money, you know, good double lung shot on both of them. And I really, I was like, wow, this, 